knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is going to be David in the shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner going, he's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And he didn't just agree from eternity to do it, he actually did it. It is fatal, fatal for us to think that we can ever move on from the gospel. The great problem in the evangelical church today where the scripture is concerned is not the inerrancy of the Bible. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. So we have to wake up what's happening and recognize that the problem really is our lack of theology. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp and my co-host is Angela Whitehorn. Before we get to our guest, I wanted to mention a couple of things. First of all, we are going to have another sale on Theology Gals merchandise with Christmas coming up. So you can find a discount code for 20% off, which will be in the episode notes and all of our social media, and that will be good for the next two weeks. And then also I'm going to link again the Five Solas Christmas ornaments that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. I got mine. They're very, very nice and um, we definitely recommend supporting the gal that makes them. And now we'll go to our guest. We have Christina Fox with us, and listeners to our podcast will probably remember when we've had her on before about her books, A Heart Set Free and Closer Than a Sister, which we recommend both of those books strongly. They're just two of my favorite books of last year that I read. But today we're going to have her on about her new book, which comes out this Friday, December 7th, and it's called Idols of a Mother's Heart. So I will tell you that I have read the book and it's excellent. I was so encouraged. And I think it's probably important to mention, I'm a mom that has older children. And I think maybe... Some people might think that it's geared mainly to moms with younger children, but I think really if, if you're a mom at all, that you're going to benefit from this book. And, or maybe if you're going to be a mom soon, maybe we've got a lot of expecting ladies in our group too. So to get started, Christina, can you just give us an overview of what the book is about? I will. And thanks so much for having me again. I love chatting with you guys. Um, Well, Idols of a Mother's Heart um, is about idolatry, those things that we look to for life and hope uh, outside of God. And specifically, the book focuses on idols that moms might worship. The book um, focuses on how we were designed for worship, and if we don't worship God, we're going to worship something. 
So I explore what idolatry looks like in our lives as moms, uh, including ways to identify those things that we might worship. Obviously, if you're going to talk about idolatry, you have to talk about worship, but I do love that you talk about worship in the book too. Yes, um, that's a, you know, an emphasis in the beginning and then kind of I wrapped it up at the end on, you know, um, kind of reshaping our hearts and focusing on worshiping as we were created to be. You know, early in the book, you talk about worship. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about why it's important to be mindful of the place of worship in our lives? Well, because we... um, we are worshipers because we were created that way to love, honor, and glorify our maker. Um, as the Westminster Confession tells us, our purpose in life is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Of course, our worship has been broken by the fall. And as a result, we are prone to uh, turn to substitute gods, uh, false gods, looking for life, hope, meaning, and purpose in them instead of God. So we all worship something. The question is, what do we worship? You know, um, this isn't a question that I had thought of before, but um, as you were talking, I was thinking about this tendency, I think, for women to be told that um, you're going to be fulfilled by this thing. And often, I think as Christian women, at least for me when I was growing up, where uh, being a wife and being a mother became those things. And, but I think what happens, at least for me, is that I did begin to idolize those because I was told that these are the things that are going to bring me happiness. In fact, there's a, a great article that Sam Powell um, just wrote, and I read it earlier today, and he was talking about how we emphasize justification by faith alone, you know, that our works don't contribute to our salvation. But then we tell women, but in order for you to be happy and fulfilled, you're going to have to be a wife and a mom. And that, But I think that what happens with that is that we end up looking for something very specific to fulfill us, maybe in a way that only God can. Yes. Um, and I did have, you know, kind of a chapter where I focus a bit on um, Children and motherhood itself being an idol. I mean, children are a blessing. The Bible is very clear. Um, being a mother is a blessing, but um, we can easily turn those good things into things that we look to for that, you know, identity, that purpose, and that meaning. And we know that it has been when it when it's something that if we don't have it or it's not going well or um, those kind of things that we re- react negatively emotionally to that. So, and I think too, just as as we're talking, I remember being like a new mom, and you have this expectation in your head of what it's going to look like or feel like, or you know, I'm going to be happy now that I have my child. And then you have a child, and you're sleepless because you're getting up in the middle of the night, or nursing doesn't go the way that you wanted it to. Um, healing from delivery is harder. And sometimes it can almost feel crushing if we're not looking to Christ as, as the primary foundation of our lives. If we start looking to being a wife and mom as our primary identity, I guess, instead of Christ, it can start to feel crushing. 
Um, but I think that's what happens, at least for me, when I've made idols out of those things. But one of the things you talk about in the beginning is, sanctif- is sanctification and how the Lord uses uses motherhood to work sanctification in us. What are some ways that happens for those who haven't thought through that? Yes, God definitely... He uses certainly all things in our life for our sanctification. Um, But in the book, I talk about ways that he uses our motherhood and our experience as moms, the circumstances of our motherhood, you know, the the teething baby that keeps us up all night, the tantruming toddler in the grocery store, or even the teenager who just for some reason cannot remember how to clean their room properly. Um, and, and every other challenge, really, that we face as moms, God uses those to show us um, our need for his grace, to show us our sin, to show us the contents of our heart, really. And motherhood, I think, can be a unique place for that work, as areas of our sin are often magnified in ways that they might not have been before motherhood. For example, You know, we may have struggled with impatience or worry or something like that before being a mom, but after becoming a mom, those kind of sins can be often highlighted in our life. So I think the season of motherhood really gives us an opportunity to take an honest look at ourselves, to see our sin and our need for the gospel, and in particular, one area of sin that I course highlight in the book is idolatry yeah those are those are great points i've definitely seen the lord work in my life through and you're right you might like for me i would i was sometimes impatient and would get angry i didn't think of myself as somebody with an anger problem but i would get angry with my children and but the lord really used that to show me my sin uh and and sanctify me I mean, he's just worked in my life so much in that in the last 20 years. Children really are like these walking little mirrors. <laughs> just, you know, every time you look at them, you just, you see what's yourself and what's really, what's really going on in yourself. So I loved a quote from this chapter that you have on sanctification. There's good news in the midst of the bad. While motherhood shines a spotlight on our sin, it is not outside God's perfect plan for us. In fact, these sins we notice, we notice them because the Spirit is at work in us, revealing those sins to us. So um, I love how you say, you know, that God uses everything to sanctify us, but when we are called to the vocation of motherhood, all of the things that sort of intensify uh, those sins for us, God's really using to um, show us ways that he is sanctifying us. I think that um, those uh, things that we worship and idolatry really also is one of those areas that are highlighted in our life as moms uh, that, again, that we may not realize that we worshiped uh, before we became moms, but just with the unique uh, way that motherhood tends to (laughs) magnify things, uh, whether it's our emotions or our challenges and frustrations, um, I think idolatry is is one of those areas. Right. So since your whole book is about um, idols and idolatry that um, uh, some of 
some of the idols that can be specific to motherhood. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about what idolatry is? You do have a whole chapter on that. So in the book, I use Tim Keller's definition um, of idolatry that comes from his book, Counterfeit Gods, as anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you what only God can give. And so I, I, we often think of idolatry, you know, especially when we're reading maybe the Old Testament of people who were creating something out of wood or, or stone um, and bowing down in worship. And, you know, that still exists today in our world. Um, and so for Christians, idolatry is a bit different than, than that, of course, and different than um, even what non-believers, uh, the idolatry in their life. For a non-believer, you know, they have no room for God at all in their heart and, and their affections. As believers, though, we tend to um, add idolatry on to our worship of God as though he isn't enough. So we will love and worship him plus something else. So we find our, you know, our meaning and, and hope and purpose in God plus motherhood or success or approval or those kind of things. So... That's kind of, uh, I guess, the angle that I come at it from. One thing I wanted to mention too, I I did a Bible, I led a Bible study with some women years ago, and it was the, or it wasn't a Bible study, it was a book study, but it was the book Peacemaking Women, and in the book Peacemaking Women, uh, she talks about this thing, the idols that we can have as women, and you know she she gives things that may be seen as negative things, but then she also says things like a good marriage and well-behaved children, a clean house. She talks about these things can become idols also. And some of the gals in our book group were upset. They said, how can good things be idols? <laughs> and that's something that you really do show in the book that things that, that are good things in our lives can be idols. Yes, definitely. Um, like, like we were talking about before, just being a mom, uh, our children, um, having, you know, our children having good education or, uh, behaving, um, when we're out in public <laughs> or, um, you know, anything really, um, those things. And I think that's more so probably what Christians are more prone to worship are those good things. Uh, turning things that God gives us as gifts and turning to worship them rather than the giver of the gifts. I assume that you probably talked to some different moms in anticipation of this book and kind of saw that there were some similar things. But what are some of those idols that you do think are common among moms that you talk about in the book? Well, there are tons, obviously, of things, countless things that we can worship. Um, so, but I do focus on five in the book. Um, the first is children. Um, whether we find our meaning and significance in being a mom, whether we uh, kind of live through our children, um, those kind of things. 
you know, we spend so much of our time and energy serving, loving, teaching our children. It's, you know, kind of easy to see how our lives can start to revolve around them and everything becomes about them. And then, you know, we find um, our, our hope in them. Um, and then another idol is achievement and success. You know, certainly who doesn't want their children to grow up into, you know, happy, healthy, productive adults. We certainly want uh, good things for our kids. The problem comes is when we put our hope in their success, uh, whether it's their performance in school or sports or in our parenting of them. Um, you know, when our worth as a parent depends upon our children obeying us the first time or using their manners or being helpful and kind, you know, those kind of things is, is um, when we know that that has become an idol for us. I also talk about the idol comfort, uh, which was a big one for me <laughs> at certain times, uh, especially in early motherhood. You know, when you're weary and worn out uh, for a long day of being with the kids and all you want to do is just, you know, get a big bowl of ice cream maybe uh, and binge watch your favorite drama on TV or whatever. Um, just wanting something to kind of numb us from um, the challenges to our day. Um, so that kind of need to escape um, can often be an idol. I also talk about the idol of control which is really um, our desire for things to go kind of our way. Um, I, for one, don't like chaos in my house. I don't like disorder. I am, you know, I am a big fan of to-do lists um, and routines and all that kind of thing. Um, but sometimes, you know, those things can become um, an idol for us when we put our kind of rest and hope in those um, routines and rules and strategies um, to make life work for us. And when they don't work for us, that's when we know those things to become an idol because we can be really um, unsettled <laughs> and uh, upset when things are out of control. Um, then the last one I focus on is the idol of approval. That's when we long to be accepted by others. Uh, when we believe that we must be loved or accepted in order for life to have meaning, uh, when we care about what others think of us. So in terms of motherhood, this could be um, caring about what our children think of us or maybe what other people think of how we're doing with our parenting and whether we're doing a good job or not. Um, so those are the five that I cover in the book. You know, something I've talked about on the podcast before is um, that when you're talking about the control, that it really, really kind of hit me. Um, but I came to a point even where I realized I was trusting myself over God with things regarding my children. So, and namely their salvation, where I really did feel like it was like in my hands. If I did everything right, then my children would have salvation. And there was an idol in there somehow too, that that was the most important thing. Um, but I think because I've made it an idol, 
I, I really did. I realized how controlling I was in a way. I didn't want to give that over to God. I don't want to lose control over that because what if he doesn't do what I want him to do? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, and one of my children is not a Christian. So, you know, even that as being an older mom, the, the ways that the Lord has worked in my life just through that. Yeah. I think that the whole season of motherhood, uh, we find kind of these same idols, but just, if, you know, nuanced differently at different stages your chapter on the idol of comfort really um, spoke to me. You know, when, um, you know, the book is organized for our listeners, um, the first half about worship and sanctification and idolatry um, and some theology there. And then the second half about these general areas of idols. And I like what you just said, Christina, it really is true that um, these apply at different stages in our lives in nuanced ways. And so for me, the one that really got me was the idol of comfort. I had read, and that's the third idol that you talk about. So the first two I was reading and thinking, yeah, they, these are not a problem for me. I'm, I'm good. And then I get to the idol of comfort and I went, oh, she needs to get out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that one um, was really um, helpful to me. And one of the things that I appreciate is that you talk about that pleasure points us to God and um, that, you know, just like we've already said, some of these things that can become idols are good. Um, they're, they're not inherently bad or sinful. And it's just really when we um, look to them for our trust, look for them to them for our hope. And we really need to reserve that place for the Lord. Um, and so this is one of the things that I appreciate about each of these chapters is that you bring it back to the gospel and give us a gospel truth, an antidote for each of these idols. And so in the comfort chapter, you talk about joy in Christ in place of the idol of comfort. Um, and so I, I think that um, for folks who haven't read the book yet, of course, it's not out yet. So um, that is a really really comforting aspect of this book is that um, you give us ways to point us back to Christ in each chapter. Yes. Cause you, you know, if, um, especially for those who might uh, worship controlled, you know, when we see, uh, when we read something that convicts us where our immediate kind of tendency is, okay, well, how can I fix this? <laughs> how can I ever, you know, kind of tackle this specific problem? Um, and I, I didn't want it to, to become that kind of thing. I wanted it to be um, a thing where our heart um, is directed to remembering who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Um, and, you know, idolatry really is all about the heart and, and the posture of our heart. And so rather than um, our hearts being pointed toward those things that we worship um, to then be prostrate before the Lord instead. Angela was talking about how the book is kind of set up with the different subjects. But one thing I, I wanted to mention, too, is that at the end of every chapter are questions and a prayer. And I think this book would be a great book if you've got a little a mom's group or something like that. I think it would be great to go through with a mom's group. I think, I mean, it's great to go through on your own too, but, and, or if you're going through it on your own, using those questions in your journal um, just to kind of work through some of these subjects, I think it would be helpful. 
with that. Um, but I, I think if I was a young mom, I would probably love going through this with some of my friends, um, other mom friends. So I, just to kind of give an example to our audience out there, you, you mentioned that children are one of the things that you say can become an idol. Can you give an example of what that looks like? Because some people may not know like, okay, well, how does that look like if my children have become an idol? Well, I mean, for me, I'm dealing with that in my stage of, of motherhood where mine are middle school and high school. And I, I see kind of an, an end point coming where, um, you know, my role as mother will change significantly. And I find myself um, really struggling with, well, well, who will I be when they're not here anymore? <laughs> Um, and I've even struggled with that as they've gotten less and less on me, uh, where they don't need me constantly and those kind of things. And so I, I find myself pausing to ask, well, who am I right now? If I'm not this person who's just <laughs> there to meet their needs, be their, their buddy and in, in all areas of life. And, um, you know, as they, kind of reach out and have, you know, new things, activities and experiences that don't need me. Um, that's kind of where that, that idol has, has pricked me at least in helping me think through, okay, am I finding um, my meaning and purpose uh, as being a mom um, or not? And, and really who, who am I? Um, so. I know exactly what you mean because my children are getting older. My youngest turned 16 uh, in the end of December. And I think for me, I don't know how much this has changed, but I really was given the message that, you know, as a Christian woman, the thing I should aspire to is being a wife and a mom. And so if you do find your identity in being a mom, and obviously we have some identity in that, but if that's your primary thing and then the children are now leaving home, you know, what, what do I do now? You know, mm -hmm. where does that leave me? And I think even as your kids get older, like you were talking about when they don't need you as much and if you've made them an idol, it, it really does kind of sting. Well, wait, you need to need me in order <laughs> for me to be okay. The Lord really uses those things though. And thankfully it doesn't happen all at once. You know, they slowly not, stop needing you as much. It's not overnight. And I think that's really something that's, you know, I have younger children and I think it's really something that's easy to slip into um, at that stage and not realize it because they do take up so much of your time and you really are just sort of flitting from thing to thing, meeting needs, meeting needs, meeting needs nonstop. And it can be hard to, um, to really even be engaged in your mind on whether or not this is my identity because it's taking up the bulk of my waking hours. Right. It's, it's what I'm spending nearly all of my energy on. And so um, it really is good to sort of refocus on, um, okay, this is my vocation right now, um, but my identity is in the Lord. Um, and so if we don't... Um, really keep our thoughts on that, um, 
then it's something we can slip into. And then, like you said, Colleen, we wake up one day and our kids don't need us anymore. And now it's a crisis. And I've had to deal with just some of that just as kind of finding a new direction in, I mean, I think on a practical level, not even just always an idle level, but on a practical level, when you are spending so much of your time meeting your children's needs or as they get older, driving them from place to place, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden they have their driver's licenses. <laughs> now it's like, okay, I need something to do with my time. Right. Um, and if I don't have something to do with my time, I'm going to go crazy here. <laughs> so Christina, all of us have idols in our lives and not just as mothers, but, you know, we've got male listeners. We can have all sorts of idols in our lives. So when we realize that we have these idols, how can we deal with them? Good question. (laughs) Um, Really, you know, it starts with heart awareness and that's a big emphasis um, in the book is, you know, being aware um, of our heart and the contents of our heart. And then uh, when we identify those idols, repent and turn from them. Um, it means uh, guarding our heart of, um, you know, being watchful for things that we might be tempted to worship. And then even um, applying the means of grace that we've been given to uh, in our daily lives and our kind of spiritual habits of prayer and reading scripture. Um, communion with the saints, uh, all those things. And ultimately, um, we have to look to Christ. And Tim Keller says in his book, Counterfeit Gods, that the only way to remove an idol is to replace it with greater love for Christ. So kind of like, you know, when you pull weeds in your yard, you know, you go back out there again, and there that, you know, new ones have sprung up. So uh, when you remove an idol through repentance, you have to replace it with um, greater love for Christ. And to do that, you know, we have to grow in our knowledge of him, uh, to be with him, learn from him, dwell on who he is um, and what he's done for us. In doing so, uh, our hearts can't help but respond in love and worship and awe of our Savior. I love that the last section of your book does help us with turning from idols. Um, Can you tell us why is it important for us as moms to continue to look to Christ and be reminded of the gospel? That's the only thing that has power in our lives uh, to conquer sin. Um, We, you know, the blood of Christ, uh, the gospel of you know, Jesus' perfect life lived for us, his sacrificial death, his triumphant resurrection and his ascension into heaven. Um, that, that whole gospel story is what has the power to um, conquer this sin of idolatry. And so we have to, we have to look to him um, and to what he's done and remember what he's done, dwell on what he's done, appropriate what he's done through repentance. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's really where it is. I really loved this quote from your last chapter. The marvelous wonder and grace of the gospel is not that we keep a tight grip onto God, but that he holds onto us. Because we are sinful and fallen, there will be times when we forget these truths. We will forget who he is and what he has done. We will fail to love him with all of our hearts and will instead erect counterfeit gods to love and serve. But God never lets go of us. 
Amen. And, you know, I was just thinking about that, that very thing in that quote, Angela and Christina, because I've felt like the, just on a daily basis as a Christian, but also as a mom, just that we fail so much. You know, when, when you're ready to have your first kids, you're going to, at least I was going to do everything right. You know, I had all the parenting <laughs> books. I was going to, I, I had it all figured out. Of course, I changed about 10 things, you know, the first year, but I, <laughs> my best day as a mom was before I ever had kids. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we fail so much. So we have in, at least in my mind, I had an idea of how I wanted to do things and do things well and right. And, and I would fail so often. And one thing I learned is that, that it was so important for me to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Mm -hmm. And when I didn't keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, I just fell flat on my face and was crushed and discouraged. And because we are going to fail and, and we're going to, you know, constantly be dealing with different sins and coming to repentance and, and remembering the gospel. But I've just found it so helpful to remember just to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus because I'm also, even in my failures and my sin, there's such comfort knowing that I am forgiven. And like you talk about that he doesn't leave us, that he remains faithful to us even when we fail. Do you have any other books coming up? Um, I'm working on one right now with PNR, and I can, I guess, share the title. It's called Sufficient Hope, Gospel uh, Meditations and Prayers for Moms, and that should be releasing next year sometime. Oh, wow. That sounds wonderful. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, because this will be, will that be your first book with PNR? It, it will be, yeah. Um, I've really enjoyed working with them, and I'm excited about it. That's great. Our friend Rachel Miller also has a book coming out with PNR, I think, yeah. next year, too. So, Well, Christina, thank you so much for joining us. I do want to mention to our audience that Christina has offered... Christina has offered two books to give away, and the book will be coming out this Friday, and... We will have information. I think we'll do a Twitter contest and a Facebook contest. So go to our social media and there will be information there on how you can enter. Well, thank you so much, Christina, for joining us. I'm sure we'll have you on with your next book too. We, we love Christina. We love her books and definitely recommend if you haven't read any of her books. I know a lot of the gals in our group have, um, but if you haven't, definitely go check out her books and I'll link all of them in the episode notes.